You're listening to the River City Church Podcast. Our desire is that you know Jesus, experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. For more information, check us out on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co. Here's the message. Well, like Pastor Brian said, my name is Jacob. My wife, Shelby, and I are the student pastors here at River City Church, if you guys don't know. Um, so we have anywhere from newborns all the way through the young adults here. And so if you come to the church and you're a fresh baby, you're stuck with us for about 25 to 30 years. Um, so I really hope you guys like us. But I'm very excited. Thank you, Pastor Brian, for the opportunity to get up here and speak. It's always nice getting to talk to to some people who don't typically pick their nose when you're talking to them. Um, and so I appreciate you guys. Well, one thing I like to do whenever I speak is I like to have you guys participate with me. Um, what I believe is that, I mean, what I know is that the Bible says that we shouldn't just be hearers of the word, but we should be doers of the word. Um, so I like to do this little thing. If you guys will please repeat after me, just simply say, I expect, I, expect. I, receive. I receive, I do. And here's why I like for you guys to say that. You might have heard me say this before, but expectations are a really big thing for me because what God told me uh, probably about 10 years ago is he gave me this little nugget, and he said, when you come to me with expectation, I'll meet you with my reality, and my reality always surpasses your expectation. So what I want to challenge you guys is not just hearers but doers of the word is I want you to take your expectation and maybe you came in, you're like, it's gonna be a pretty good church service and you can, this is where your expectation was. Maybe you had a really rough day at work and your expectation is pretty low, like most of the day was pretty down here so this is where my level's at. But I wanna challenge you guys, wherever you're placing your expectation tonight, know that God's gonna meet you there and then some. So how far do you want God to go with you tonight? We'll check your expectation right now in this moment. I believe that God has more for you. You haven't encountered the most of God. The Bible says that he can do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. And so you have not encountered the most of him. We want to come to God with expectation. When we do, he gives us something. He doesn't just give us something to take it and put it on a shelf, but God wants you to use, to truly receive what you've been given. And when he gives you something, he calls for action along with it. So I expect I receive I do. Amen. Leslie's not getting the rock. I'm watching Shelby over here. She hasn't even smiled yet. So, But the main, the main idea, you could say, of the message tonight is going to be worship. Everybody say worship. worship. Now, I need, I need one of my city kids' kids. Who? Let's see. How about, hey, Asher, I got a question for you. Super easy. You know this. Asher, holler at me and tell me, what is worship? How do we define worship? Think about it. Anything? Did you guys hear him? Asher said, anything that makes God happy. That's what we teach our kids in City Kids. Worship isn't, you don't have to go to ministry school for 20 years to be able to know how to worship God. You don't have to read the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation to be able to worship God. All you need to do is have a heart to make the creator happy. All you need to do is have the intention of God today. I'm trying, I'm making my goal to make your heart happy, and that's worship. Worship doesn't have to look like having a great voice. Worship doesn't look like having to be skilled on an instrument or any different ability, but worship is all about your heart, your mindset. Where are you putting your heart? Where are your intentions? And so if worship is anything that makes God happy, what I want us to realize is that your relationship can be worship to God. 
your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your friends, your relationship with your family members, with your coworkers, all of those relationships, if you're going in there with the intent of, God, I'm doing this to make your heart happy, your relationships can be worshiped to God. When was the last time we went into our relationships as an act of worship? When was the last time we walked into work and clocked in with the intention of worshiping God through our job? Whether you just sit at a desk and crunch numbers all day, whether you're out working in the hot sun all day, no matter what your occupation is, you're still called to be a worshiper. When was the last time we went towards our job or we went towards school as an act of worship? The issue when it, when it comes to that, and even I think even our interactions with people, anybody ever had an interaction with somebody that wasn't pleasant? No, nobody, nobody in here knows what I'm talking about. Let me get the rock real quick. Yeah. Why'd you amen so loud? And so I'm, I, I know for a fact all of us at some point have had an interaction with somebody that wasn't pleasant. And we had two choices to make. We could choose to be like Jesus, or we could choose to not be like Jesus. But what if I told you that you could choose in that moment to make that negative interaction an act of worship to God? That moment when your reaction is to maybe say some not very nice words to that person or to do some not very nice things, what if I told you that you could worship God through your reactions? You see, the difficult thing when it comes to that is is our own emotions or opinions become more important than worshiping God. When stuff happens in our life that pushes us to our limit, when stuff happens that frustrates us, that lets us down, that hurts us, we start to have these real emotions come up. And that's, I don't want anybody to ever think that I'm, I'm saying that our emotions are, are meaningless or that there's no, there's no legitimacy to your emotions. Emotions and feelings are real, but they don't have to be what defines our life and defines our decisions. And when, we, when our mind and when our hearts get clouded with the emotions of what's happening around us, it makes it all the more difficult to worship God. Why? Because when you're upset, do you want to make anybody happy? When was the last time you got in an argument with somebody and you're like, man, I really want to give them $100? Probably never. Why? Because your emotions are getting the best of you. The simplest way of the, the simplest definition I've heard of the word idol is anything that you put before God. So if we're choosing to snap on somebody rather than to show them the love of God and make that interaction worship to God, In that moment, we're choosing to allow our emotions to become an idol to God. Why? Because we're choosing to put those thoughts and those feelings and those emotions first. And so I want to challenge you guys. Reflect on your life. Reflect on yourself and think, what are you putting before God? What emotions, what troubles, what trauma, what past, what regret, what doubt are you allowing to become an idol? Because we have a choice to make. We can choose to worship God through our interactions. We can choose to worship God through our job, worship God through our relationships, or we can choose to let our emotions define us and dictate how we decide things. I want to challenge you guys. Live your life in a way to make God's heart happy. That is the very definition of worship. Let's pray real quick. God, right now, I thank you so much. That your word says in Psalm chapter 22 that when we worship you, you enthrone yourself 
on the praises of your people. Another version says that you inhabit the praises of your people. God, right now I pray that you would build a desire for worship. God, grow grow a desire, grow a hunger to make your heart happy. God, I thank you that as we do, you're gonna inhabit our situations. As we worship you in the midst of our pain, you're gonna inhabit our pain. As we worship you in the midst of our depression, you're gonna inhabit our depression. God, right now I pray that you would inhabit this room right now. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, what I've noticed in my own life is when my faith is low, my worship is low. And when my faith is high, when it's easy to trust God, my worship is high. When I feel safe about trusting God, when I find it easy to trust God, I find it a lot easier to worship him. And vice versa. So if I'm worshiping God all the time, what's it going to do to my faith? If it's down here, it's going to start to pick my faith up. Why? Because God is inhabiting my worship. He's living in my worship. Whether I truly believe what I'm saying in that moment or not, my intent is to make his heart happy, and he's inhabiting those praises in that moment. But when, when, we, when we find ourselves on that first portion, when my faith is slow, my worship is slow. When my worship is slow, my faith is slow. That is an incredibly dangerous spot to find ourselves. Why? Because we're literally creating an idol. It doesn't have to be some kind of golden statue that we see in the Prince of Egypt. It doesn't, doesn't have to be something that, that we feel like takes up all of our time, but idols can be created out of reactions. Idols can be created out of response, not necessarily something we spend hours upon hours doing. And so that's why it's such a dangerous spot because we let our feelings inhibit our faith. We feel like we don't need God, so why am I gonna worship him? We feel like we don't deserve God. Maybe you did something that made you feel like you're unqualified, that you don't deserve the love of God, when in all actuality, there's nothing we can do to earn his love, but that's what grace is all about. But our feelings make us think, oh, I don't deserve God, so I'm not going to worship God. Why? Because worship brings a creator closer. Worship makes God inhabit your heart, inhabit those moments. So if you feel shameful, why would you want to let God inhabit your heart? You're allowing your feelings to become an idol. We get to this moment where, when we worship our feelings and emotions rather than worshiping God himself. But what I want you guys to hear tonight is worship trumps your feelings when you allow it to. And it's that second part. It's, that's the part that really makes a difference when you allow it to. Are you going to choose to worship your feelings? Are you going to choose to worship the situation, the difficulty? Are you going to choose to worship the comfortability? Or are you going to choose to push past all of that and worship the creator and watch him inhabit your life? When worship becomes a lifestyle, what's being used to bring us down becomes an opportunity to lift God up. So we're going to read in Acts chapter 7 today about a guy named Stephen. You might have heard of him before. But Acts chapter 7, verse 54, the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation, and they shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God, and he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. 
Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Verse 60, he fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Stephen had made a decision that no matter what was done to him, no matter who he lost, no matter what he lost, no matter what his life looked like, he had made a decision that he was always going to worship God. He wasn't going to worship the people trying to kill him. He wasn't going to make his desire to fit in, become an idol. But what was Stephen going to do? No matter what, he's going to put God first. He's going to worship God. And as he does, God inhabits his praise. And in this moment and in this story, that didn't mean that, that God inhabiting Stephen's praise didn't mean that Stephen would get to stay alive. But what God inhabiting the praises of Stephen looked like, looked like him showing people the grace of God as he was being killed. Somebody got to see God through Stephen that day. Why? Because he made it his decision to live a life of worship. Anybody in here ever gotten a song stuck in their head? Anybody? Anybody? I think all of us. You guys want to hear a song? If you ever get a song stuck in your head, you want to hear a song that helps you get it out? Ready? When a song is stuck inside your head, just sing this song. Sing this song instead. When you can. You guys aren't really getting it tonight. But, but that'll get it out of your head just like that. That's not the point. But here's the thing. Because I'm very much a person, I always get songs stuck in my head. If I had a dollar for every time Shelby would be like, Jacob, because I'm singing a song like quietly in the background, we, we'd probably be living, I don't know, like in Paris on top of the Eiffel Tower. That's how much money we'd have. I don't know. But we'd have a lot of money because I'm constantly getting songs stuck in my, inside my head. And fun fact, did you know there's a scientific reason for that? No? Okay, good. I'm, I'm glad you didn't know that because I'm going to teach you something tonight. So, see, this is, not, this is why the whole, like, youth ministry thing is nice because we always teach them stuff. They always come in and walk away learning something new. Adults, that's not always the case. But there's a guy, Dr. Roy Baumeister. He explains it like this when it comes to getting songs stuck in your head. If you listen to a randomly chosen song and shut it off halfway through, the song is likely to run through your mind at odd intervals. If you get to the end of the song, the mind checks it off, so to speak. If you stop in the middle, however... The mind treats the song as unfinished business. This is known as the Zygarnik effect, which is defined as the tendency to experience intrusive thoughts about an objective that was once pursued but left incomplete. And so my thought to you guys tonight is when was the last time you allowed your worship to become an intrusive thought? When was the last time you found yourself in the middle of heartbreak? When was the last time you found yourself in the middle of fear? When was the last time you found yourself in the middle of anger or offense and you allowed worship to intrude those thoughts? You allowed worship to step into the point where now as you walk away, your worship is unfinished business. I never want my worship to be finished. I never want to live a life where my worship is unfinished. Why? Because that means God isn't, isn't inhabiting my life like he could be. You see, we get to this spot where 
We're going, we're worshiping, and we're doing our thing. We're making the right choices. We're reading the Bible. We're worshiping. We're praying. We're building those godly friendships. But then all of a sudden, we encounter somebody who says a joke that we didn't like, and we take a little bit of offense to it. And we're like, ooh, you know what, God? I'm going to take a step back, and I'm maybe going to take a couple days before I worship you again. And then we get back on track, and we keep going. We're doing the right things. We're getting closer to God. But then all of a sudden, we get a, a, a report from somebody that a family member is sick, and now we're like, oh, God. This hurts, and, I, and it does, and it's brutal. But I don't want that to be a reason why you stop worshiping. Don't let that be something that keeps you from worshiping God. But rather, we should allow that. We should allow worship in those moments to become an intrusive thought. Why? Because when, when we're away from people who are going to build us up, we're still going to be worshiping. When we're not in church on a Sunday morning, on a Wednesday night, or whenever our city group is, we're going to continue to worship. Why? Because we haven't let our worship become finished business. To the moment that Stephen died, his worship wasn't complete. He was worshiping God from his very last breath. And what was the impact of that? The impact of that was that a man named Saul got to witness the true love of Jesus. I don't know if you've heard about Saul, but he became Paul and wrote a lot of books in the Bible. You never know what's going to happen if you allow your worship to become an intrusive thought. I don't want my worship to ever become finished business. Anybody ever heard the hymn or the song, I have decided, I have decided to follow Jesus? Anybody know that? I'm not going to sing it for you guys. That's, uh, that's Pastor Jason's forte. I'm, and so, but there's actually a cool story behind that song. So that song came from a, uh, a moment where there were some, there were some missionaries that went to this, this very far away, um, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Um, what was it? Country? Yeah, country, but like. I mean, in a broad way, yes, but secluded, a very secluded tribe in a very secluded country. Um, and so these missionaries go in and they start preaching the name of Jesus. But the thing about this particular tribe is they were a type of tribe known as headhunters. And so a little bit of a scary history fact, the way that they would defend their own land and let people know that you shouldn't mess with them is they hunt heads and they put them on a pole outside of their camp headhunters, right? They're very vicious, very aggressive people. Um, but here's the thing about this tribe and these missionaries is they didn't care. They knew that it was an unreached society, so they were going to go, they were going to preach the love of Jesus. One person was receptive to them without trying to kill them, and his name was Nak Singh. And so Nak Singh ended up giving his heart to Jesus before his tribe would go and chase the missionaries out. The missionaries thankfully escaped Nock Singh was the only one who gave his heart to Jesus. Now his tribe was, was very anti-Christianity. They had many gods that they would pray to and worship. When they decided Nock Singh had given his heart to Jesus, they brought him, his kids, and his wife up in front of the entire community. And the, the leaders of their tribe said, Nock Singh, we want you to deny Jesus. Tell us right now that you don't worship Jesus. And Nock Singh was feeling very skeptical, and they got to the point where they ended up pulling out some bows and arrows, and they're now pointing them at his children. They said, Nock Singh, deny the name of Jesus right now, or you won't have your kids anymore. Nock Singh responded to them, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. And as soon as he said that, arrows flew, and his kids dropped right before his eyes. Heartbroken. 
He chose to follow Jesus. He's choosing to make a lifestyle of worship. But in the process, he's lost his kids. So they tell him again, and this time pointing the arrows towards his wife, and they said, not saying, you have one opportunity to deny Jesus or your wife is next. And Noxing looks at his chief straight in the eyes and he says, though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. <sighs> Arrows fly into his wife and now his wife is laying there lifeless right next to his kids. Imagine his heartbreak. If I'm being completely honest, I don't know if I could have done it. I don't know if I could have watched this happen right before my eyes. To the next point where now the arrows are pointed at Nock Singh. And the chief says, you literally have lost everything that you wanted to live for. You can walk away with your life if you choose to deny Jesus. Nock Singh says, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. As soon as he said that, arrows flood into his own body. He falls dead right next to his entire family. Now, the story sounds incredibly sad. It is very sad, but that's not the very end of the story because what happened through the faith of Nak Singh, what happened through the lifestyle of worship Nak Singh chose to live is that tribe realized that day that they did something wrong, that they made a mistake. They realized that there's a God out there who loved them and some, a God who a man was willing to lose everything for. And that day, the whole entire tribe gave their life to Jesus and they stopped headhunting, they stopped their, their worshiping of the idols and praying to all these different gods and deities and they started pursuing God and became a 100% Christian tribe. Why? Because one man decided to never let his worship become finished business. He trusted the process. Everybody say, trust the process. In Exodus chapter 17, there's a story about Moses and he's, him and the Israelites are in a battle against, against a different group of people. And God told Moses, as long as you hold your staff above your head, the Israelites will win the battle. But if the staff begins to drop below your head, the Israelites are going to start to lose. And so as you read Exodus 17, you see that Moses starts off pretty easy. It's not too hard to hold a stick above his head. And he watches the Israelites begin to take over the army that they're fighting against. But what happens after this goes on and on and on throughout the whole night is his arms start to get a little tired and the stick starts to drop. And he starts to see the tides turning in the battle. And what happens? Two guys named Aaron and Hur come up. They put a rock under Moses. They sit him down and they hold his arms up so that Moses can maintain his stature, his posture of worship as the battle's happening. When was the last time we worshiped through our battle like that? Where even when, even when it got heavy, even when it felt impossible, even when it got hard, we kept our arms up and we kept worshiping God. Even in the midst of heartbreak, we didn't allow our worship to become unfinished business, but we rallied people around us that we knew would support us and hold us up so that we can worship God. Moses trusted the process. I want to challenge you guys tonight to live a life of worship like Moses. In the midst of depression, keep holding your staff up. In the midst of financial insecurity, hold your staff up. In the midst of heartbreak, in the midst of a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter, hold that staff up. 
in the midst of a lost job, hold the staff up. In the midst of a sick child or sick family member or sick friend, hold that staff up and trust the process because if you continue to worship, the tides are gonna turn. If you continue to not let your worship become unfinished business, well, then you're gonna see the victory come for you in that moment. Why? Because God inhabits the praises of his people. The Bible doesn't say God inhabits the praises of his people when their lives are good. The Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. When life's good, when life's bad, when life's mediocre, God's right there in the middle of your worship. Now, I know you guys have been wondering about this rock. It really isn't to throw at you guys if you guys don't amen me loud enough, because you had already had it thrown at you. Um... (laughs) Luke chapter 19, verse 37. This is, I'm sure, a familiar passage to you guys. Then, as he, being Jesus, was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. If these should keep silent, the stones on the ground would immediately cry out in worship. My question to you guys tonight is why would this rock cry out in worship if all of our worship fails? What has God done for this rock? What has God done for you? How has God come through for this rock? How has God come through for me? Because I know that God didn't deliver this rock from anxiety. I know God didn't take addiction out of the heart of this rock. I know that God didn't reunite the the broken relationships that this rock had with parents or with spouses or with friends. So, What kind of testimony does this rock have to support a lifestyle of worship? It doesn't have one. But what kind of testimony do you walk in every single day that supports your lifestyle of worship so that it does not become finished business? This rock has nothing and has went through nothing, has received nothing from God that you have not received already. This thing isn't breathing This thing can't find love. This thing can't enjoy a nice plate of boneless wings from Buffalo Wild Wings. There's nothing that this rock can do to bring it pleasure. I literally stole it from its home and nobody cared. Like, what does this rock have that you don't? Why am I going to let a rock worship my creator in my place? Why am I going to let a rock worship the God of the universe who created all of creation in six days? Why am I going to let this rock worship him in my place? This rock doesn't deserve to worship my God. We need to come to a spot where we stop worshiping God because of what he's done and worship him because of who he is. Because when you worship God, on, on, the, on the account that he does something for you, well, that's when you're going to start noticing your, your worship is becoming weaker and weaker. Why? Because that's not how God works. That's not even how love works. When we worship God for who he is rather than what he has done, our worship unifies with the worship of all of heaven.
I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard the story of Abraham and his son Isaac. God blessed Abraham with his son Isaac, a promise that Abraham prayed for. And then God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son Isaac to me. The son that you prayed years for, the son that I promised you, the very fulfilled promise I gave you, I want you to go on a mountain, I want you to sacrifice him to me. And I want to pick up in verse 4, Genesis, Genesis chapter 22, verse 4. This is the journey Abraham took after God asked him to do this. Verse 4, on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Listen to what he said. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Some of you are still waiting for your breakthrough because you're not worshiping God in the midst of your breaking. Because we're breaking, because we feel like we're losing, because we feel like we're on an uphill battle, we stop worshiping God when really your worship is what brings the power. Why? Because your worship is what unifies you and God. Your worship is what makes God inhabit your situation. So when we choose to worship in the midst of our breaking, it opens up the door for God to bring the breakthrough we're waiting for. Here's my other thought with this rock. Part of me feels like if it came down to it, it would be so easy for this rock to crowd and worship to God because it hasn't gone through anything. I'm sure we could spend the rest of the night, person after person, coming up and talking about trauma that they've walked through, heartbreak that they've walked through, breaking that they've walked through. And when we're in the middle of a breaking, again, it's hard to make someone else happy. When you're hurt, when you're broken, when you're lost, your last thought is, how can I help this other person? Why? Because you're just trying to hold the pieces of your heart together. When we go through the very real traumas and difficulties in our life, it really does make it harder to worship God. But how much sweeter does our breakthrough feel when we push through for it? When we worked, when we worshiped when we didn't feel like it, when we trusted God when we saw no reason to trust God, when we never let our worship become finished business, how much sweeter does that breakthrough feel? How much sweeter does that fulfilled promise feel? Can I tell you guys from experience, it feels really good. And I don't know, I'm sure a lot of you guys know Shelby and I are pregnant. We're expecting a daughter in January, January 22nd as of today. Um, she's, um, she's in the 80th percentile so far for her weight. So pray for Shelby, y'all. Um, but if you guys saw our post we made on Facebook, what you saw is that this is actually for us, what's called a rainbow baby. And what that means is earlier this year, Shelby and I had a miscarriage in March and man, I've never gone through anything like that in my entire life. Never felt that kind of pain. Never felt that kind of heartbreak. Never felt that kind of doubt before. And I remember praying that that wouldn't be the end. I remember praying that something would change. And nothing changed. I remember sitting back here, um, actually right exactly where Jordan is sitting. I remember sitting back there during a staff prayer we had on a Tuesday And I had not prayed one word to God because I didn't feel like talking to God at that moment. But I could hear God so clearly tell me, just sit down and ask me to speak. 
And I sat down in that exact chair and I said, all right, God, speak. And man, for the next five minutes, I just kept typing and typing and typing and typing. And God kept speaking. And to be honest, I didn't want to hear any of it that morning. But God knew that I needed to hear it. And I'll never forget, um, this, the song that was on repeat for me through this whole entire process was the song Firm Foundation. And if you guys have heard that song, the big hook of that song is, it says that he won't fail. He won't fail. He won't. And it repeats that, pro- if what feels like 12, 12 minutes over and over and over again. And I remember so many times sitting in my car, laying in bed, weeping to that song, trying to sing along, but I couldn't muster up the faith to sing it. I couldn't make myself sing those words that he won't fail. Why? Because I felt like he did. That's what it felt like in that moment. But what I'm here to tell you today is that even in the midst of that breaking, I didn't allow my worship to leave. Why? Because it would have been very easy, even though I couldn't sing the song, it would have been very easy for me to put on any other kind of secular artist that I, list, that, that I might like, or it would have been very easy for me to go turn to something that's only going to hurt my heart more. It would have been very easy to turn to something that's only going to pull me away from God. Just because I couldn't sing the words doesn't mean I wasn't worshiping God. I didn't let my depression become an idol. I didn't let any kind of pain or offense become an idol. But even though I couldn't sing, I was still worshiping God. Why? Because his heart was pleased that I still chose him. His heart was pleased that I didn't give up. I felt alone. I felt broken. I felt like God wasn't listening to me. But even in the midst of that breaking, I knew God would bring a breakthrough. And it wasn't easy every single day. And like I said, there were a lot of days I couldn't worship, to the, I couldn't sing along to those songs. But I never allowed my worship to leave. I never allowed my worship to become finished business. And it, it was in the midst of the biggest breaking of my life that Shelby and I experienced the breakthrough that we're in the middle of right now. And on Thursday, we just had our 20-week appointment. We have a very awful picture of our daughter. Um, and so they labeled it. That's her foot up there. That's her head. They were trying to get, like, a cute picture so that, like, we could pose and show. But look, we're, our baby's half-baked, but that's how she wanted to sit. Um, she wanted to sit like a rock, like a rock. Um, and so, but here's why I share that with you as, as we get ready to close, because it was in the middle of the breaking that I didn't allow my worship to become finished business. Just because the promise that God gave us didn't look like how we thought it would doesn't mean that God's not still good. It doesn't mean that he still doesn't deserve my worship. God didn't, didn't, didn't bring, bring fulfillment to a promise of a child to this rock. So why am I going to let this rock cry out in my place? God didn't renew the faith of this rock, so why is this rock going to get to worship my God in my place? What, what has happened in your life? What is the testimony in your life that is, that is going to be a reminder of why this rock does not deserve to take your worship? And I promise you, no matter how in the middle of a breaking you feel, it doesn't take away the fact that God is still good. And even if you're in the middle of the biggest breaking of your life, there's still something that God has done for you. And it doesn't matter how far away from him you feel. 
It doesn't matter how hard it is for you to sing those songs of faith. What matters is that you don't let your worship become finished business. This rock never had to worship God through the middle of a breaking before. And it never gets to feel the power and the faith that comes when you receive your breakthrough in the middle of your breaking. My challenge to you guys is to reflect and see what is breaking you right now. How can you worship through it? What has stolen your ability to trust God? What feelings have come up? What emotions have come up that have stolen your ability to sing to God and know that he's good and that his love endures forever? What is it? And as big as it probably feels and is, it doesn't mean that this rock should get to worship God in your place. That's why I love that song we sang during worship, that I won't let the rocks cry out in my place. No matter where my life is, no matter how dark the days feel, this rock's not stealing my worship. I'm not letting anybody steal my worship from the God of all creation. And after what I've went through in the breaking process and after the breakthrough I've walked in, there's never anything, there's never an idol, there's never a rock, there's never a situation that's gonna take away my worship from the God who fulfilled the promise of a baby for me and Shelby. Never. This rock doesn't deserve it. This rock doesn't deserve to steal your worship. So as, as Pastor Jason leads us back in worship, we're gonna go back into that song. I, it's called Lift You High. I won't let the rocks cry out in my place. And what I know, just because I'm human, just like you guys are, what I know is that there's a lot of you who are in the middle of your breaking. And like, when I tell you guys I've never been in a, in a darker spot in my life, I've, I've never experienced or walked through trauma until the way I walked through at the beginning of this year. I know where you come from when you're like, I don't know if I trust God right now. I know where you come from if you're like, man, it's really hard to work, to even worship God in this moment. And standing on the other side of my biggest breaking moment I've ever walked through, can I tell you that it's worth it to push through? Can I tell you that God is still faithful and he is still good and there's still nothing that can steal your worship that should be able to steal your worship from God? And so what I wanna challenge you guys to do in this moment is if you're in the middle of a breaking season, if you feel like everything is crashing down, if you feel like you can't get out of depression, if you feel like you can't spend one night without crying yourself to sleep, then I want you to come and worship God. Don't let this rock take your worship. These altars are open. I challenge you guys, not because anything physically different happens if you come to the altar, but give God that spiritual yes. Give God that symbolic, God, I'm trusting you even though I don't feel it. So if you're in the middle of a breaking season right now, if you're in the middle of the darkest time you've ever felt, or you just simply are finding it hard to trust God, I challenge you to come down to these altars and just worship God for, for some moments. We trust this message encourages you in faith and in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about River City Church, find us on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co.